In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Please be seated. Today, as we continue in the season of Pentecost, we're mindful that the season of Pentecost is that season of the Lord's Church, as we reflect on the, the life and growth in the Lord's Church. And in our gospel reading today, it's a continuation, actually, of last Sunday's gospel as Jesus sent out his disciples, uh, as making them apostles and sending them out into the world to, to proclaim the gospel. And he gives them this warning that there will be, there will be persecution for them that there is much in this world to cause them fear, uh, especially because they bear the Lord's name. His, they are his people, and so they face persecution of all kinds, family turning on family. They will be hated for his name. There will be persecution and even, even death. And on top of that, he's sending them out into, into the world of first century, first century Jerusalem when you have the Romans have taken over. There's war, there's threat of war, there's economic collapse, there's, there's plagues and famine and all the rest. And so there's much for them to be afraid of. And in that way, it's really not all too different from, from our world today. And the, there's, no, there's no shortage of things for us to fear especially as those who bear the Lord's name, the persecution that we must sometimes face in this world, and there's certainly persecution of our brother Christians across the world who are, who are killed for the Lord's name. But then there's so much more for us to fear, not just as the Lord's disciples, but just as, as humanity in this world. We, we, we always are facing something to cause us fear. And into our fear, the Lord brings peace in today's gospel, but first, uh, let's reflect upon that emotion of fear. So as you think about fear, I try to describe it. I mean, since you can even think about uh, right now, what, what are you afraid of? What kinds of things are causing you anxiety or keeping you awake at night? What comes to your mind at 2 a.m. when you get up in the middle of the night? What, what's that fear feel like? So of course, it's this gut feeling. As for me, you get this gut feeling, not, like, not in the sense of compassion, but some sort of sense in your, in your gut that something's wrong. It can sometimes be paralyzing. So you, you maybe don't know what decision to make. And so you're paralyzed from making any decision at all out of fear that you're gonna make a wrong decision. Also fear brings about that fight or, fight or flight response, this boost of adrenaline that cause you to react against whatever it is bringing you fear. As you think about fear, Fear is nothing more than this, this, this state of anticipation of an evil that is yet to come. So think about it. The evil isn't even something you're experiencing in the present, in the now. But it's a potential fear, a potential evil that lays out in the future that's causing you anxiety now. It's either this, this potential for an increased pain or a potential of decreased pleasure. But whichever it is, it's out in, the, out in the future, and you think, you just naturally think that there's something that you can do to affect it. Something you can do to avoid that increase in pain or decrease in pleasure. And it's that thought that you have something that you can do is what robs you of contentment. So fear measures that gap between you and this future evil, this future potential loss of pleasure or gain of pain. So anybody who comes along with a remedy for that fear, 
a solution, that, that something that helps you get rid of that fear, whoever that is will control you. So in that way, we can talk about fear controlling us because we are always reacting to our fear, but we're especially controlled by whatever it is that offers a solution to our fears. And so you'll spend uh, endless hours, perhaps doom scrolling on your phone through the news, reading blogs. The blogs are simultaneously causing fear of what might come, but then also offering some kind of a solution. So you're clinging to that person, perhaps. Whatever it is, fear is robbing us of contentment in the now and controls us. But as we know, it wasn't always this way. Now, we, we can oversimplify it and say because of sin, we face fear, but I think it's helpful to, to, really, to really hone in on the, the, the start of all this. And as we reflect on the Garden of Eden, we're mindful that Adam and Eve were afraid of nothing. They didn't even know what fear was. Can you imagine going to bed at night, not anxious about anything at all? And you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning... There's nothing, there's nothing waking you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. What a joy. Because you're being constantly taken care of by God. M- money is literally growing on trees. <laughs> they didn't need money. They, didn't, they weren't worried about economic collapse. It was all, everything that they possibly needed or wanted was given to them. So there was no, there was no potential for future pleasure that they could imagine because it was always given to them. So we in our culture, we, I think you can read the statistics on this. One of the greatest uh, things that we struggle with late, lately is called a, it's the hashtag FOMO, the fear of missing out. And so you get on your phones and you see everything that everybody else is doing and you think you should be doing more. Or maybe I'm missing out because I'm not doing what they're doing. Or they got their kids in all these activities. I better get my kids in all those activities or they're going to somehow miss out on something. So we're controlled by that fear of missing out, but not Adam and Eve. They had no fear of missing out. There was nothing, nothing to miss out on, and there was no evil out in the future that potentially would cause them pain. So there was no, since there was no future evil, there was no gap between them and evil. There was no, there was no fear there. Until the devil came and brought, you could say, the first FOMO, Uh, You think you got it good now, Adam and Eve? It could be so much better if you would just try that fruit. God is holding out on you. You could have it better, even better than now. And it's that fear of potentially missing out, that God is holding out on them, that they they should take this matter into their own hands to increase their own pleasure or decrease their pain. And they took the fruit. And then they fell into sin, And we know the rest of the story. But at that point, fear increased all the more. So as we recall, God's walking in the garden and they run and hide. And God says, why were you hiding? And they say, we heard you in the garden and we were afraid. So imagine how this God would have heard this. How did you even know what fear was? Who told you there was such a thing as fear? And so not only is he just devastated that his, that his beloved children are, are suffering from fear, but that he was the cause of it. Tremendous pain is brought to God. And now fear is always around, always there, robbing us of joy in the now or contentment with what we have. It casts a shadow 
on any joy that we have today because we know of some sort of evil out in the future, some sort of death for us or our loved ones, the end of whatever, whatever peace we're enjoying now. The fact that we know that it can't last forever on, in this world is itself a cause of us to fear. There's always a potential evil that lurks out there and robs us of joy. Fear is evidence of our unbelief in God, especially an unbelief in God's love for us. So like Adam and Eve, God must be holding out on us so we should take matters into our own hands. So the the things that you fear, the things that cause you anxiety, if you push on that, you can see that you actually don't think God's gonna be taking care of you, that God's gonna allow stuff to befall you that will somehow take you away from him. And in that we see our unbelief. And one more, fear actually turns us on one another. Not only is it our unbelief in God, but just as we see right away with Adam and Eve, Adam turns on Eve. The woman you gave me, gave me this fruit. So this perfect marriage, this oneness, has now turned on each other. And we we see it among us all the time. Fear turns us on one another as God had given us to one another to serve and love as gifts. Instead, we become objects of blame, and people can be then used for our own advantage because we're all about our quest to end fear. So everybody in our lives is just something that we can use to decrease our pain or increase our pleasure, but no longer gifts from our Lord. Now make no mistake, Jesus knows our fears He knew the fears that he was sending the disciples into. He wasn't naive, nor is he naive now. He knows how our fear controls us. He knows how we would be afraid. And that's why he says in today's gospel, do not fear. Three times, do not fear. You don't have to say such a thing to people who don't have fear. You only say, don't fear, to people who are afraid. In other words, he expects us to be afraid and he deals with it. So to us who fear, Jesus gives a gift. He gives us the gift of one more thing to fear. That's weird, because you don't usually think about fear as a gift. But God gives us one more thing to fear, and this thing happens to scare away all the other fears. So as he says in today's text, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So do not fear anything at all, but fear him alone. So with that, he scoops up all of our fears and gives us back one fear in exchange. Now, the only analogy I can think of to come up with this, you have to bear with me. So... Uh, down in Mississippi, where my parents live, they live out in the middle of nowhere in the boonies. And there's lots of things to be afraid of out in those woods. And so you can go out there. And there are thieves out there. We've had horses stolen. There's prowlers out in the, in the wilderness that would cause you fear. There's all kinds of wild animals, wild dogs. There's certainly lots of poisonous snakes. So whenever you go outside at night to take out the trash and you hear a, a, a rustling in the bushes, it causes you great fear. Unless riser is outside. So my parents, in their wisdom, bought this ginormous Doberman Rottweiler thing with 
huge jowls and teeth and this crazy low growl and loud bark. And no one in their right mind comes near that place. If you ever visit my parents, be sure to call first, right? No one comes there because of that dog. You can hear it, you can see it, and it causes you fear. Wild animals don't come near, or they end up with just being leftover debris of a wild animal. Snakes don't come near because they can smell it and hear it. And so when you walk outside, you don't have to fear when Riser's there. But Riser himself is something great to fear. Unless you're my mom. So mom sits down on the porch and Riser crawls into her lap and licks her in the face. So Riser causes no fear for those who love him and those who he loves. You see? So this one thing chases away all that would cause fear, but brings no fear to those who love him. So it is for our Lord. Do not fear those who, who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him alone, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The only one who can throw you body and soul into hell is Jesus. No earthly army can throw you into hell, an army can kill your body, but cannot cast you into hell. No loss of friends or family, no loss of job, no attack by any other person can throw you into hell. Even Satan himself, Satan himself and his demons cannot throw you into hell because he, like you, is a creature. So he doesn't have power over eternal life, but only Jesus has authority to cast you into hell. Which means, do not fear the armies and their weapons. Don't fear the attack of enemies. Don't fear loss of wealth or income. Have no fear of missing out. Do not fear any earthly attacks or persecutions. Do not fear Satan and his demons. Do not fear the future, what will happen to you and your body and your wallet. We fear only Jesus. But when you fear only Jesus, you look at Jesus and you see in his hands the print of the nails, and you know that that was for you. Though he alone holds authority to cast you into hell, he died for you precisely so that you would not go there, and that chases away the fear of death and all that goes along with it. It was for you that his body took the swords piercing, the insults and spitting of the soldiers. It was for you that he spilled his blood even unto death. Like the big scary dog outside the house that chases away all the other fears, we are to fear only Jesus. But then, like the dog who crawls into your lap and licks your face, we then hear the words of Jesus who speaks, fear not. The only one you should fear is the one who says to you, fear not. Fear not your sin, I have taken it away. Your shame I have covered with my own honor. Your anxiety, your sleepless nights, your terror and sweaty palms, your troubled conscience, your distress and nerves, do not fear. I have taken it all upon myself and have redeemed you. I have cleansed you and made you mine. You have nothing to fear. So all of those things that bring us fear, 
have been taken up by our Lord Jesus. They cannot harm you. They can only draw you closer to him. You think about that. Push your fears to its worst, and it only will draw you closer to Jesus. Make you more dependent on him. Have your eyes fixed more upon him. Have your hands more empty so you can cling more to him, or even with death itself, have you in his immediate presence. So fear not, says Jesus. He has put his name upon you, and that means that you are his, and his holy presence goes with you into all that would cause fear in this world. He feeds his body and blood to you, giving life into your death, that all that we fear would be shattered. And he calls you back here, time and again, and speaks his forgiveness freely to sinners like us, to chase away the root of our fear, sin itself. And then he places us in this world to speak that fear-shattering gospel to everyone he places before us. It is a joyful life, then, that our Lord Jesus gives us, a life of peace, hope, and grace, free from fear. Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.